I'm Lindsay Mustang, and this is the Career Design Podcast, made for driven, ambitious square pegs and round holes type professionals who see things differently and challenge the status quo. We obliterate obstacles and unlock hidden pathways to overcome and succeed where others have not. Stagnation feels like death, and we are unwilling to compromise our integrity and settle for being average in any way. We are the backbone of any successful business, and those who overlook our potential are doomed to a slow demise. We do work that truly matters, aligns with our purpose, and in turn, we make our lasting mark on the world. We are the dreamers, doers, legends, and visionaries who are called to make our most meaningful contribution and love what we do. Welcome to the Career Design Podcast. Today, I am so thrilled with my guest. She calls herself a chief fun officer, and we're going to dive deep into this. So Rebecca, do you mind introducing yourself to my audience? No, I don't mind at all. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Rebecca Benendike, and I am uh, the new CFO, the chief fun officer. Who doesn't need a chief fun officer in their life? (laughs) Yeah, I was like that. um, So much more fun than the regular CFOs that I know. (laughs) Uh, And I said to Rebecca when I first met her that we have a chief fun officer here at Talent Paradigm. She's seven and her name is Nora and she definitely (laughs) fun in spirit and um, that playfulness. So I want to know a little bit about the idea of how did you come up with chief fun officer and what did you see in businesses that made you realize that this was something that was missing? Okay. So two, two questions there that I'll answer. Um, So first of all, my entire life, I've been having fun. And, you know, sometimes when we get older, we look back and we realize things about ourselves as we grow and develop personally. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been really part of my growth journey. And um, in studying like neuroscience and personalities and all these things, I look back at myself and I went, holy smokes, I've been having fun my whole life and not just um, frivolous fun, but fun um, and taking risks and doing things that people wouldn't do um, to have things that most people don't have, uh, such as freedom and financial stability and uh, a career that I've designed that I love. Uh, And that's always evolving. And it hasn't always been that way. But the choices I've made have been based on is that going to be fun? You know, is it going to be fun to fly to China? I I don't speak a lick of Chinese, but I'm going to go there. Uh, And that was at a very young age. Uh, You know, is it going to be fun to go down to Nashville and record my first album? And this is when I was, you know, in university and supposed to be doing a classical singing exams. Um, Is it going to be fun to um, completely, uh, you know, start a a whole new company at 38 years old? Um, You know, it was all these things. And I just realized I was having fun. And if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. So I had a career in teaching as well. Um, I taught on off um, as a school teacher for 10 years. And you know what, it got to be the to the point where it wasn't fun. So this kind of answers your second question. Um, The policies, the red tape, the um, I don't know, the people at work who were just so bent out of shape when you would do something different. And I didn't fit in. I realized that for simple things like letting kids stand up in the classroom when they were doing no harm was, you know, looked down upon. So I quickly saw that um, this was an an environment for me. And then on top of that, I was hearing the the kind of trends in corporate and in business, because I have a lot of friends that were working in corporate. And, you know, basically the trend was, I want to quit my job. Um, I don't like working in corporate. How do I become an entrepreneur like you? Because at that point I'd quit uh, teaching and and I've been an entrepreneur kind of at 
the same time as teaching for many years. Um, but it, I had finally gone out on my own fully and was running my own, my own businesses. And people were like, how do I do that? So I was like, well, why, why does everybody want to quit corporate? And, you know, I did some, some research on that and just questioning and surveying people. And really what it boiled down to was the, the community and the culture in this corporate world completely lacked fun. Nobody was being appreciated. Mm -hmm. They felt like they couldn't be themselves at work. They always felt judged. They couldn't wait for the weekends. Talk about weekends. Teachers like live for the weekends and the summers. I committed myself to never do that once I had finally quit teaching. I, I had a plan and I was kind of smart about it. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not going to live for the weekends and for the, the, the holidays. I want my whole life to be like a weekend and a holiday, I want to enjoy the people I surround myself and I want to be the one in control of that. And so I guess the trends were just that, yeah, people were quitting um, and it was because of culture and not just, you, you know, you know, companies have tried for many years to make things a little bit better, but they've really missed the point. And I can talk about that a little bit later too, but that kind of summarizes, you know, Okay, so I, I guess I didn't say why. So then becoming the CFO, um, I guess I got really passionate about people being in corporate and being able to do those kind of jobs, because I knew that not everyone could quit their job and become an entrepreneur. That's a very, very um, a specific set of skills to be an entrepreneur that need to be learned and not everyone in the world is going to be able to do it. So I was not, I was not content with the fact that the entrepreneurs were going to get to create and design their own uh, lives and career, but all these other people we were going to leave behind in corporate, it's always, always going to suck. So <laughs> I just decided, how can we make this a better space in the corporate world? And, uh, and I realized, you know, there are leaders and bosses that um, want to change the way they've done business. And there are examples um, in, in our world, uh, like big companies that are doing it now, they have big budgets, but I believe that you are capable of creating a positive, fun culture, even without a, a huge budget. So I believed that everyone um, could make these changes and we could improve the lives of many, even if they wanted to stay in a nine to five job. I love that so much. And I think that we have, there's so much untapped brilliance that people have at work. And when they are told to be, stay small, stay in a box, here's your black and white job description. I call those cages mm -hmm. for talent that just stifle their genius that mm -hmm. we diminish the opportunity. And then, you know, time called this, like the death of innovation. And we wonder why it's happening when people mm -hmm. aren't encouraged to really be innovative or to be different. We want them to be, you know, drones. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I just think that's just a powerful mindset. So when you, when you've seen, cause as you've gone into businesses and helped introduce fun, tell me what happens for those people. Um, so there's, there's probably two elements. I think for one, it, it's the CEO and they become, okay. So they have to have an open mind. To begin with, you can't even change the culture of a company unless your CEO um, or founders have an open mind to this kind of work. So two elements, one would be um, the, the owner and the founder does some really deep work on themselves and they become a leader. They um, yes. aren't, aren't just the CEO, they're, they're becoming the person who is the example. They're getting vulnerable. Um, 
I like to say like, take your hat off for a second, your CEO hat and just be human, just be a person. And when CEOs do that and when they start being vulnerable and for example, um, I'll give you a great example of a gentleman that I know. He was working within his company, having a really tough weekend. So just so much stress because he had to do this, 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 this. His list was so long and he had to finish all this by Monday. And he was doing it all by himself. And this was a conversation I had. So he, he's a colleague, but his son, who's 19 years old, said to him, dad, why don't you ask the people at work to help you? Why don't you tell them you're struggling with this and get it done together? And this is coming from a 19 year old, which leads me into a whole other conversation, but great ideas from that generation, right? This is something we've done, kind of done wrong. We've tried to segregate in these the, you know, the 50, 60 year olds do, don't get the 20 year old, the, the, the new gen. But if we just tried for a second, listened to their ideas and learned from one another, how different the culture would be. But this son said to his dad, he said that, well, his dad immediately, there's fear that comes up, right? It kind of like bubbles up in his stomach. I can't do that. I can't do that. Like then it kind of is, is deeming me weak or like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then he got over that real quick. He went back to his, his workplace, his team, this was during COVID, and he told them, hey, guys, I just want you to know it's been a really tough day because I've been trying to solve this problem all day and I don't know what to do. Well, didn't they all just get on a call and figure it out together? And not only does that change, uh, I mean, the, the person, so the CEO got over his fear, congratulations, hand clap for you. But also he brought in these other people with, like you just said, they have their own geniuses and their own problem solving techniques and their own experiences that they bring to the table. So now do they not only see their leader, not not as the boss, but now as a human being, a vulnerable individual who's undergoing stress and they relate to him and they go, oh, cool, how can I help? This is the kind of community and and culture you create. And as a CEO, you kind of have to decide, do you want a team or do you want a hierarchy? And once you've made that decision, then you can move forward with the people who you're working with because you're all just people. And, you know, some CEOs are not ready to hear that. But we are all just individuals and we are all just trying to do our best. And if we just gave them the chance to do their best, how much more um, they will do and bring to the table. It's, can I just say, you know what, the whole fun idea, it, it, it revolves around this idea of being more childlike. And when, when we are teaching our children, we teach them to ask for help. We teach them to raise their hand in class, ask questions. The more questions you ask, the more you will learn. And yet somewhere along the line, Lindsay, we just become adults. We cross into this this threshold where all of a sudden we have to be strong. We have to be, for women, we have to be in our masculine. We have to prove that we're right. We have to, you know, know 100% of the job before we say yes to taking it. We're, We're hesitant to take raises because, well, I don't know if I'm worth it. Where did we cross this line? And so I go in and encourage people, be more like you were when you were a kid. You know, how much time um, and how, how much more would you learn if you raised your hand once in a while? And how much more would the CEO learn if he raised his hand once in a while and asked the rest of the, the team? So team mentality. 
I love that so much. It literally lifts my heart to hear somebody talk about that because there's, I mean, there's, I can cite so many different studies here about why, Mm -hmm. why this actually changes, but we get conditioned. Like there's actually Brene Brown goes back. I think she calls it creativity trauma. And it's, it happens when we start to condition, and you might've seen this as well, like around fourth and fifth grade where a horse can't be, you can't draw a horse and it can't have two heads and blue spots. It has to be exactly like a horse. It has to look exactly. And we, we take that out and we take away the fun. And then we say, you know, behave, be small, like stay here in this lane. And we forget that we are all people. We are all, we have all of these things. I mean, the, the greatest constraints I've seen inside of businesses is when somebody isn't seen for the ability to bring a new idea, like industries are dying without these ideas of innovation and people just like inherently, they want to have a contribution. That's a core human need. We want to make a contribution. We want to have significance. We want to feel like we matter. Um, And being radically candid and vulnerable is a big part of that. And that means allowing people to step up and express things and to applaud them for that versus saying, you know, you're being difficult or going against the grain, because that actually helps disrupt what's group think. And group think is those, that series of yes men. And it's why companies get into that decline cycle. And so when we start to do these shifts, which is inviting fun at work, and I want to also go in like what fun really isn't, um, because I think we have some (laughs) ideas around what fun looks like at work and how those things actually really don't do much. Um, But when we tap into that, when we start to be the, there are three parts where I say like intentional career design and true career design. When we get rid of human resources, we break it out. There are three pieces. And the first one is the transcendent CEO and the CEO's leadership. It has to come from the top, the sponsorship to have a safe environment safe, yeah. to be different. Yes. To no longer fit in a box and it has to start at the top. Okay. And then in the second part is um, about the environment that we cultivate. Right. And so that people feel safe and they feel like they can stand in their power and we don't tolerate things like um, there's something that I say, one of the tenets of the human centric workplace is the no asshole rule, which is from Harvard <laughs> business review, no, yeah. har- no assholes. Um, and these things that we just create this environment that allows collaboration. And then the last part is the intentional career design, which is really allowing people to tap into their zones of genius, thinking of this one person had this one idea. And I'll give you an example. There is one person who created prime day. There's one person who created prime shipping and they are not the most senior leader. Guess what? They were someone at um, a lower level, Mm -hmm. one person's genius. Do you know how many billions of dollars that one idea and every business has this and they actually marginalize their people, minimize them and diminish them um, and tell them to play small and just stop being difficult or, or stop being creative we condition it out of them. And this is where we see the, the really innovative CEOs and the really transformative businesses. They're rising to the top because they've tuned into this genius. And really that culture of fun is a big part of it. So I want to ask you here. So can, I, pig- can I piggyback oh, that? Oh, Just uh, let me oh, piggyback please. that really quick. What you're saying there about people needing a space to be creative and, and um, to give back. And, and on top of that, an environment where they can be excel they everybody wants an environment in a workplace where they can excel meaning they can go up another level they can um uh, have more to their job than just their job because that's just human nature to want to do something more so if we're create if we like i think what it boils down to is create an environment where employees want to be where relationships are built where clients and customers want to buy 
because they'll want to buy more if they feel this energy, they feel this, this fun, this, oh my goodness, the employees want to be here. I want to buy from this company where, and then companies in the, like inevitably will, will have increased profits, charities raise more money. Um, you, you know, it's just, like you said, there's so many, so many studies showing that if, if you are listening to this right now and you're thinking, well, what's the bottom line, what's the bottom line, you know, about the money. Well, I think Lindsay and I are both here to say that the bottom line is that these companies thrive beyond. They become the leaders in their industry when they mm-hmm. focus on their culture and focus on each individual. Yes. Oh my gosh. Profitability is the measure. And so it's when we get, but we, that is a very, and I'm going to lean into this, a very fragile masculine thing to mm-hmm. go into what's the bottom line. And that actually, if you go through that and forget that people are people, you missed the whole damn point of this conversation. Absolutely. So when I talk about the most transformative CEOs out there and they're at the point where they want to break in that next level, that transcendent CEO, they're not focused. They understand there's a point where we reach altruism, where I've already achieved my accomplishments. Now I want to help others do that. And that's where we really step into that true transcendent style leadership. Okay. So what yeah. is fun? Not is fun. Your ping pong. Table? <laughs> yeah, I can talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll find with, especially some specific industries, like I'll just use the example of a tech industry. So tech industries, um, I don't want to stereotype, but they tend to be more male, male dominated. And I think if you go back a few Rebecca, years, I'm just going to say, let's stereotype because it's not stereotype. <laughs> study show. Study show. It's a bunch it of white true. guys. So, yeah, yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. White, white guys on their computers. And I think, you know, a number of years ago when, you know, culture, it's not a brand new thing. People have been trying to improve their culture, but what they've been doing, what we're seeing now is that it's not working. So you can't just put a ping pong table, um, you know, in a common area. You can't just give them beer on Fridays. You can't do those kind of things and expect that the entire culture of your company is going to change and your profits are going to increase. It just doesn't happen because people, again, we go back to the top. If the leader is not showing vulnerability and he's not showing, he or she is not showing their true selves, then that does not encourage their employees to show their true selves. So if there's any kind of fear, so fear that I'm not doing a good enough job, I'm not working as hard as Mike over there at his desk because now I'm playing ping pong. Oh, I can't do that because, um, you know, nobody else is. If there is that kind of feeling, then what you've just, you know, spent money on to kind of create this you know, pretend environment that's positive, it, it kind of works against you, you know, and people still feel like they can't wait to get home and they don't care to stay after work because they're not part of a team. They don't even want to hang out with their colleagues. They can't wait to get home. <laughs> so back to that, you said, I lived for the weekends. We live for the, yeah. like our lives that really, the things that are the most important in our lives are typically not at work, but there are people who wake up excited, energized, motivated. They want to go to work because they get to make their best contribution. And one of the other things you talked about was here was variety and variety is another core human need. When we need, when we have something, it means we can't have people who stay in that black and white space because it actually like we, we diminish the core things a human being needs to thrive. So if you're wondering like what's happening here, like why fun brings in it, it allows you to feel significance, allows you to give variety and allows you to make a contribution. Some, those are three of the six core human needs. So freaking powerful. Yeah. And I mean, like if people are wondering, you know, what, what's this big deal about fun? 
Well, think about this. You know, if you're a woman and you, you know, were pregnant and you were worried about telling your boss that you're going to be having a baby and going on mat leave and now you're getting a cut and pay. Well, wouldn't it be fun if you could just bring your baby to work? Yeah, yeah. I know people out there go, what? That's a crazy idea. People are doing it. CEOs are doing this and they're seeing huge benefits, not just for okay, now mother at work, who's, who's uh, say, you know, an industrial designer. Now mom's at work, baby, two, three month old babies on, on her, you know, on her back or whatever. And she's still working and able to do her stuff. As baby gets a little bit older, baby goes and, and is in a playpen. You know what? You know what happens in those environments? People in the office start signing up to have a baby break for 10 or 15 minutes so they can play with a child. <laughs> this enlightens everybody in the office. Not only that, you get your stakeholders walking into the offices, you get your, your clients walking into the offices. Now there's a child there and everyone's a little bit like, oh, okay, what, what's going on here? What's going on? But you know, the language is, is cleaner. The, the, there's a lot more smiling, you know, you take another example, take a boardroom of say, you know, white men who are used to doing businesses this, the way that they've always done it. Well, give them a set of crayons and take away all their pens and now make your notes. <laughs> now, this is fun. This puts smiles on people's faces. And there is science to this, that when people are happy, they are more productive and they are more creative because the side of their brain that is on like pause because they're in such a, a driven, like I got to get this done, profit, profit, profit mode. They are actually not creative and innovative. So if you want your company to grow and thrive and and yeah, have increased profits, start having more fun. And you'll see the difference because people will want to come to work. People will start feeling like these are your friends you're going to work with. These are people I'm working with, not against, you know, which has been kind of like, oh, I have to go to work and Sally and sales is such a bleh, you know, and it's <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay. Now how can you get to know Sally a little bit better so that you actually see that you're not that different? How can we create environments and opportunities uh, for these people to, to join together? And maybe it's like um, a project outside of work where maybe you get together and you guys all talk about how are we going to give back and people are going to come to the table with ideas. I guarantee it because almost everyone in your office goes home and they probably have a creative project. What I have found, Lindsay, is that a huge majority of people who have been in corporate are either a musician, they're an artist, they, they paint on the weekends, they, they, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, they make hot air balloons or something. They do something different that they have always loved doing, but somebody, probably their mother or father told them you could never have a career in that. And so they went into their corporate job. So if we could incorporate the loves of people's lives into work somehow in creative ways, geez, now you're talking about a place people want to go where they're going to be motivated and, and they're going to be not just motivated, they're going to be dedicated to your company. And there, you know, therein lies the, the whole idea of keeping your top talent for a longer period of time and not wasting, what is it in America, 30 billion or I don't know the quote, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. That's a lot of money that's wasted in training people and anybody out there, including myself, that's trained anyone knows it takes a ton of time. And if you keep losing people, you're losing a lot of money. 
Yeah, to the tune of at a professional higher level, $50,000 is the average cost. Average. So, yeah. 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 Lose one person, $50,000, and it becomes a seed to rest the rest of your team because they have to take on additional workload. And then bringing on someone new also increases workload. So, it's a terribly, it's not a virtuous cycle. Um, and if you can right now in the war for talent, because it really is, um, there are ways to do this. So I love this, Rebecca. I, I, I feel like I want to continue this conversation with you on another podcast because <laughs> so much here, oh, there's so much to say that to one, like one last uh, parting thought you would like to leave with our audience. Hmm. Oh man. Like you said, there's so many, so many things. So I guess I would just say it takes one to start making these changes. If you're, it doesn't matter which level you're at, you, you could be a CEO listening to this right now, a, a leader in the making, somebody who wants to make change and who wishes and wants their workplace to be better. But you could also be somebody who is just newly hired and you're bringing in new ideas and you're sitting there going, yeah, this is totally me. I'm always getting like shot down or I don't feel like, I don't feel safe in this environment to, to say anything. It starts with you. And I, I have been one of those people my entire life that speaks up. So speak up. And I guess Lindsay and I are here to stand behind you in speaking up for something different. Because the more people that say something, the more change that will begin to happen. And this will become more mainstream that work is actually, you know, not so bad. I love that. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Now, if somebody wants to find out more from you, where can they go? Um, my website, if you can manage to spell my last name, <laughs> um, is RebeccaBenedike.com. Um, yeah, there's lots of information on there and all of my links are there. It's probably the best place. I am on Facebook as well, but I would say probably more on my website and feel free to Amazing. get in touch anytime. Thank you so much for being on your day. It's incredibly illuminating and I'm sure we'll have a part two on this or maybe even more. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me. You know, even Lindsay and I, we, we've just, uh, you know, had some great talks about this. And I also encourage you to find somebody that is like-minded. Surround yourself with like-minded thinkers. And uh, from that place, you can only go high. You can only fly from there. So thanks, Lindsay, for having me. Thank you so much, Rebecca.